Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hi, this is Bennett Kelly. Thanks for listening to Cyberlaw Business Report. Before you take a recess to hear the latest internet law news and commentary, you are hereby ordered to download the Webmaster Radio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Okay, maybe not ordered, but why not? You can listen live to my show and all our show hosts every day on our live stream or download past episodes with ease. So download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app in the iTunes Store or in the Google Play Store. It's an open and shut case. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly from the Internet Law Center. Please be seated. Um, we have a, another chilly day here in Santa Monica, but chilly to us is probably quite warm for you. But any event, um, today is a historic day as uh, the White House has announced um, some sweeping measures on, on gun control, um, but it also is a significant day in history anyway. Um, the uh, Roman Empire began today with the um, when the Senate um, granted Caesar the title of Augustus from the Roman Senate, and um, but and more significantly, in more recent memory, it is the beginning of the Gulf War. It is the day the Shah of Iran left, um, and it. Um, so we are today on this uh, auspicious day. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, something that happened very recently, uh, the tragic death of Aaron Schwartz. And um, we have California lawyer Matt Necco to talk about that. And in the second half hour, we're going to be talking about the upcoming festivities in Washington. There's a big shindig going on next week, and it's called the inaugural. And if you're unacquainted with it, we're going to talk about that and um, give you a little background and, and maybe how you might want to enjoy it if you have still have the chance to get to Washington. So um, we're going to be back. We're going to cover that in the second half hour. But first, we have Matt Necco. Matt, are you with us? I'm here, Bennett. Thank you. And um, Matt is joining us. Matt's um, been working in um, in the house with a number of um, companies and has been very active in intellectual property issues. And so we're glad to have him. Matt, um, just so everyone's clear, um, the views expressed here are the views of their participants only. Don't reflect anything of their employers or clients. They may not even reflect their views. Um, in addition, it does not constitute legal advice. And um, if you continue to think about this after four hours, um, please consult a doctor. So, um, Matt. Uh, well, I, I love the, dis- the, the, the double disclaimer uh, at, at the top of the show and, and your, your disclaimer and, and maybe even mine, which is uh, partly that, uh, you know, none of this could be held against me. My thinking is 
is evolving. Some of what I'm gonna uh, that we're gonna discuss, I think, is um, you know evolving and maybe thought provocative, provocative, but um, not shouldn't be held against me at least in in any way. All right, that being understood. Um, it's a pleasure to have you back on again, Matt, and uh, always a pleasure to. We've done a number of panels together in the past, and so um, basically, for those of you familiar with Eric Schwartz, um, he committed suicide on Friday, and several months before his 27th birthday. By the time he was a teenager, he already been part of the group that had um, set the approach. Uh, for the uh, initial RSS specifications. Um, he was one of the co-owners of Red, um, founder of Creative Commons and um, Demand Progress. And he's just been um, a force in that um, in a very sh- during his life. But um, unfortunately, ran a fall in a that has sparked the debate. Yeah, he, you know he 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 had quite a uh, quite a background, and and while I'm um, glad to be on the show uh, today, Bennett, with you, I'm I'm sorry that it's uh, around a, a tragic occurrence and and topic, um, and so with, with that in uh, bearing that in mind, it's uh, it's it's really sad that this young man who I didn't personally know, but who I've only um, read about and who uh, I benefited from in many ways, it, it appears based upon the things that I've read about him. He's done a tremendous amount to advance technology and has been uh, very uh, socially and politically involved in, in um, quite a few causes that are uh, uh, important and, and significant, not the, the least of which you you know you just mentioned uh, RSS, uh, a really simple syndication, which is uh, a fantastic tool um, that is utilized widely to help people keep up with uh, uh, automatically keep up with updates um, to websites and podcasts and all all those sorts of things. Um, so. It's interesting. Um, one of the statements about his death was um, Tim Berners-Lee, who is considered one of the founders of the internet, and simply a tweet that says, "Aaron dead, wanders. We have lost a wise elder. Hackers for right. We are one. Parents. Oh, we have lost a child. Sweep." So when, when the internet elders refers to a 26-year-old. Um, young man as an elder himself that that's quite legion yeah well i think that he probably was um uh wise beyond his his years in many ways and um you know i i, I don't want to give uh, short shrift either to the fact that uh, obviously uh anytime that anyone takes their own life or considers taking their own life um that that in and of itself is uh, a really tragic uh, tragic thing, and you know there there are so many issues. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes uh, brilliant geniuses have uh, other issues that affect them um, more deeply in certain ways than than it does uh, others. But uh, I'm not a mental health uh, expert sure. by any means. And, and let's be clear, and, and there's a lot of debate going on, and um, there is one thing being left out. I mean. Um, Aaron had depression, and he, that was something he battled with. And so um, what, what we're really going to talk about is what may have been a major contributing factor in his death, but um, the fact that he you know, he had this disease that, um, that he maybe didn't treat well or can, um, somehow you know, there was another contributing factor – you know, can't be ignored, and um, and a lot of people have said after we finish the debate on copyright, um, we also need to talk about the role of depression in technology as well, and uh, especially its isolating effect. So, um, but let's jump into really what what got us here. Um, so, Aaron, um, 
was very much in the believer of having free access to information, um, particularly you know publicly supported information, and, and creating a greater public knowledge. Absolutely, and, and and one of the things that we should sort of make clear here is that the the as we talk more about this, the the crimes that Aaron was uh, accused of and was uh, indicted for but not convicted uh, because there had not yet been a trial involved um, information in the, you know, really the true sense of the word information. Um, A lot of uh, people in in the Internet world um, copy left folks um, oftentimes uh, use the word information very loosely and and sometimes they lump within that entertainment um movies uh, right records um television shows and we're not talking about that kind of information we're talking about uh in this instance at least uh academic information and in the past he's been involved in attempting to um you know not necessarily liberate information um, or ne- not necessarily make information free in terms of there not being certain costs associated with it, but sort of helping to uh, create a publicly accessible world library and um, was focusing a good amount of his attention on uh, the types of information or documents that uh, taxpayers, in effect, had um, had paid for, and so a lot of his thinking apparently was: well, if taxpayers have already paid for it once, um, it should be available and free and freely accessible to to all of them and everyone, so that um, the knowledge base can expand and people could do research and have access to um, to the, these types of information sources. And one of the first places he did this was in the, um, a system that his lawyers are very familiar with, but the public probably is not, called PACER. And That's right. They, all the federal court systems, well, most of the federal court systems are online, and you can get access to most of the filings. Um, but there's a charge for these public records. And um, they charge eight cents per page, more or less. And it actually is quite a moneymaker for the court system. Um, according to one report, um, they have, they, it generates a surplus in the, the in the hundreds in the hundreds of millions. So yeah. and he actually downloaded what twenty percent of the uh, records, um, but he couldn't be charged because there was no copyright infringement because there's no copyright in um, government documents. Well, it, I mean it, that's it's very interesting. For, first of all, I, in a world of acronyms. Uh, PACER stands for Public Access to Court Electronic Records. So it's P-A-C-E-R. Right. Um, two words and, public access. <laughs> right, public access portion. And, and it, it is public access. Uh, it just will cost people a little bit more money. What's interesting is that any person can walk into any federal court in the United States, go to the clerk's office, and um, request to see the file in a court case and actually get the hard copy um, of the court file, except in the instances where it's um, either archived or uh, the file is in the chambers of, uh, of the judge because the court is uh, considering a particular case right then and, and around that period of time. But you can generally take a look at that. And um, so, you know, it is true, uh, and there's some controversy uh, over part of this, but it is court opinions, um, what's written by the judge in each case um, is a public document, and that there is no copyright in those documents. Uh, I, I will say that um, although I don't take this position, um, although I reserve the right to take this position in the future, uh, there's some, there is some, uh, there's, there's some, there are some who say that um, briefs written by lawyers might have um, an element of copyright to them, that uh, uh, perhaps it's a, a thin copyright, 
but that there may be some uh, originality and creativity that goes into the writing of a brief by a lawyer. Um, and some take the position that simply because a lawyer has um, filed that brief with the court, that doesn't mean that that brief is free for everyone to um, to copy. Uh, that's sort of a, uh, a a side note. My my belief on on, on that is that generally speaking, uh, uh, most briefs don't have that much creativity to them. It's a lot of uh, it's, uh, and I've read a, a lot of briefs. They're they're very dry, um, most of them, and they have uh, you know they're 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 mostly factual recitations, and facts cannot be copywritten. Uh, there's no copyright in recitation of facts, uh, but there is there is the ability to have some copyright. So there is, you know, I, I won't say that it's not that it's entirely 100 percent clear that all of the documents available on Pacer are um, freely available. But you know, there certainly are theories that lawyers who file briefs are sort of waiving their rights to claim copyright that there's you know there are all sorts of other arguments but in, in any event so yeah but he he made that publicly available he made 20 percent of the database public wasn't charged and that's right so the next strike though is what got him in trouble and that is that um on a similar database except with people um just the slightly less exciting than lawyers <laughs> that's ac- academics and uh, I, I, I I don't know I I I've, <laughs> we'll I've take been a, we'll in, take a reader survey. <laughs> I've been in many classrooms and I've been in many courtrooms and uh, I I've heard both professors speak and lawyers speak and uh, I'd say that most of the time professors are more entertaining than uh, than lawyers in court. A fair 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 assessment. Any event, um, he break jit jit. There's a a, a pacer like system. Um, for academic research called JSTOR. And he used, um, he has as a faculty member at Harvard, which is amazing, a 26-year-old kid faculty member at Harvard, he used his access, um, he had access to MIT, and he was able to um, download, what, millions of academic um, papers. Yeah, and, and by the way, there's there's another acronym, JSTOR. I think that stands for Journal Storage, um, and and so it's for academic journals, primarily academic and, and scientific journals. Um, I don't know that he gained access to um, uh, JSTOR's database uh, by virtue of his being a faculty member at Harvard. I think that uh, from what I've read, MIT has a pretty open campus um, and anybody can go onto the campus um, and that they have an open uh, network. So so anyone can go onto the campus and utilize the open uh, wireless um, internet network to to gain access to things like JSTOR. And so we're going to take a short break, um, but when we come back, Matt's going to talk, tell us what exactly happened with JSTOR and um, what's the big, why there's been a big outcry as a result. Um, you're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report. Have brief recess for our sponsors. Aim clear. This social. Have you tried to do CPA conversions using social PPC and failed? <laughs> you're not alone. These days, links for true spectrum dominate. Aim Clear, the agency, brings definitive psychographic targeting, bleeding edge creative, and killer content amplification advertising table. Aim Clear, this is how you sell with social. Aim Clear, this is how you sell with social. Send web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. 
MajesticSEO.com. Maximize ROI to use your talent. Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com. It's good to be king. Fun time for happy. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one stop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Webmaster. Keeps handy and the feed loaded. We never stop. Do you? Legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Ben and Kelly. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report, and we're Matt Necco, and we're talking about Aaron Schwartz and his legal battle over JSTOR downloads. So, Matt, um, we were talking and you were explaining how he got access and he downloaded several million um, academic articles, which, um, you know, I'm sure is what most 26-year-olds do. And um, sure. um, and so he, um, but he, he set up a tripwire and more or less got caught in the process, it appears. Yeah, you know, he did. He, he, got, he got caught um because he you know uh, the news stories about this are are all over the place but he went into a janitor's closet and had his computer in there and it was detected eventually and and he got caught and um you know he was basically there there are three parties um four parties when you when you count Aaron but um four parties involved here Aaron J store um, MIT and the United States government. And uh, MIT decided that uh, it wasn't going to um, pursue any charges or ask um, the local um, uh, jurisdictional authorities to pursue um, uh, anything involving uh, trespassing. And um, but it, but MIT did decide that it was going to uh, at least uh, cooperate and assist the the federal government in its investigation. Uh, JSTOR initially um, had some th- thoughts about whether it was going to pursue any any charges, um, civil charges um, against Aaron for uh, apparently you know it, it wasn't hacking, but um, perhaps violating um, its terms of service and um, decided not to proceed. And uh, the federal government, however, apparently decided that it was going to utilize the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, um, a law that was passed many years ago, um, to um, prosecute, to indict Aaron. And what it basically did is say... Uh, you know, the um, CFAA is drafted in such a way that um, it can be interpreted that if you violate a website's terms of service or end user license agreement, that that um, constitutes a violation of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, which uh, it seems to, to me and to many to be um, a, a a stretch, um, not really what the law was intended um, to provide for. Um, but the prosecutor took that and said, all right, we're going to um, indict you. And um, we've got uh, 12 charges and each charge carries a, a term of, uh, I think, five years. And so we've got all of that. And um, uh, Aaron, you're going to um, you're going to have to uh, serve a little bit of jail time here and let's talk about that Uh, and and so he never distributed the material um there's no measurable um jstor is saying bygones there's no measurable harm to anyone 
and he's facing more jail time than someone who commits um, slavery um, for assaulting a member of Congress for even murder. And actually, if he had stolen the servers, he would have gotten less offered less jail time. Yeah, it seems disproportional, and and you know this it's look look part of part of what Aaron apparently was doing. Um, and has done in the past with uh, with with Pacer, and, and by the way, many of those documents um, that we were talking about, I just want to put a, a plug in in a way for pub- public access to those public documents. Um, you can uh, people can in fact go online and uh, get those documents. Some of those documents for free because um, the Internet Archive has them available. Um, I think it's at uh, archive uh, dot. Uh, a recap r-e-c-a-p dot archive dot org um, and there's also a, a Firefox extension that, that Aaron helped to develop that if someone download pays for and downloads a, a document from Pacer that mm-hmm. document automatically gets uploaded to some servers and then when somebody else is searching has this uh, Firefox extension and is searching for the documents um, and uh, sees that it's already been downloaded and is available on a, um, a server and can get it for free. So there's a uh, just wanted to uh, t- tell people about that. And but, so, um, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, part of what happens in in. Uh, a society where the law perhaps moves more slowly than technology and where um, law moves more slowly than um, societal changes itself is a concept of um, civil disobedience. And, you know, there have been many um, philosophers and uh, social people involved in social movements who have uh, been involved in um, civil disobedience. And, they are exposing themselves to the possibility of uh, being charged with crimes because the crimes don't keep up with a society and what what's changing in society. And it's it's interesting that we're coming up on uh, a, a pretty uh, significant uh, holiday on Monday, uh, Martin Luther King Day. Um, you know, Martin Luther King uh, probably engaged in some civil disobedience. People who uh, protested against things that were wrong at the time engaged in uh, uh, certain amounts of civil disobedience. So, uh, you know, you even take things like um, file sharing um, and look at how many people have downloaded uh, music, for example. And I'm not saying that it's right, but sometimes if there's a mass movement of people um, engaging in some certain activities that at the time are illegal, perhaps, um, and exposing themselves to being charged with crimes, they may be engaging in civil dis- disobedience, and the laws, in fact, may change as a result of social movements saying the norm is different. And so perhaps what Aaron was doing to a certain extent was engaging in a bit of social um, uh, uh, and civil disobedience where he said, okay, um, this should be, these things should be free. These academic papers and documents should be free. Um, they're not, so I'm going to do something to help to make them free. And so, uh, you know, I don't know that he really took into account um, the possibility that he would be charged with a crime. I certainly don't think that he took into account the possibility that there would be so um, uh, that the prosecutor, uh, the the attorney uh, for the federal government would take a, a strongest stance and a position and say to him, you know, you can potentially get 35 years, but let's negotiate um, and uh, perhaps we'll, we'll bargain for a, uh, a plea. And if you plead guilty, then um, I'll only request seven years. And recently they said it's been reported that they went down to six months. Um, the question is, you know, even six months, um, is that excessive? And, and uh, when you take into account the uh, aspects of the civil disobedience, you take into account the possibility, uh, the very real possibility that the uh, Computer Fraud and, Fraud and Abuse Act really was not intended to punish people for the types of activities that uh, Aaron engaged in, um, then 
he probably probably was uh, uh, somewhat excessive for the prosecutor to take that position. And I don't know that it would really have that great of a deterrent effect on others in the future from engaging in this kind of um, civil uh, disobedience. Um, and so it, it's a it's a it's a it's not a clear cut issue. It's a difficult issue, but uh, I'm talking a lot, Bennett. Your any thoughts? No, I mean I I I, I hear you. That I think the the operative word is really proportionality, and um, and there was something that was said quite eloquently um, by a number of his friends in 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 commenting on his passing, and um, I'm struck by what Lawrence Lessig said, and. Um, the person, he said, um, driven to the edge by what a decent society would only call bullying. And he explained, I get wrong, but I also get proportionality. And if you don't get both, you don't deserve to have the power of the United States government behind you. And and that's the issue here was um, – Granted, the whole idea of civil disobedience is, yes, there is a risk you'll be arrested, but no one expects that person who's going to be arrested to be sent away for 30 years you know, for a lunch counter demonstration, say, for example. Yes, Martin Luther King went to jail, but I don't think he was ever, was ever at risk of being in jail for 40 years, or if it was, you know, the law would certainly have intervened from the federal level at least. And and so that's what we we see, and we're seeing this happening at a time when we're seeing other instances where um, we have a, we had on our show um, last year, uh, you know, a college student who downloads thirteen songs and now must pay a million dollars in fines and attorneys' fees, and it's just it's a an excessiveness, um, and applied to something that really isn't advancing a, a, a societal goal. Yeah, it's uh, it, right. It is advancing societal goals. That's not to say that JSTOR itself doesn't have costs. Certainly it has costs. It has server costs. It has costs in, in collecting the, the, the data and everything like that. And so um, not everything is free. And um, But once uh, JSTOR um, – so part of, part of the thinking here should, perhaps should be if there is federally funded um, research – or taxpayer paid for research, then uh, there should be some easier access to those documents, and then they should be. Then perhaps they should be made available for free at some point. And server costs can be um, de minimis or or nothing when you think about using. For example, peer-to-peer file sharing software, which, by the way, um, the BitTorrent protocol and peer-to-peer file sharing software is a, is a fantastic means of distributing the costs of making available those, these types of, of things. And so uh, it's not just um, entertainment, it's information. And, you know, we're in the, we're in the age of, of data crunching, um, big data. So... Maybe if all of those articles were available and some researcher said, okay, now that all of those articles are available, or even some kid who is not a researcher and doesn't have access to a a university and um, JSTOR, could take all of of those documents and say, okay, I'm going to develop an algorithm to try to um, do some uh, research here on, you know, whatever it may be, all the papers on a particular topic to come up with something more. I mean, there's so much that could be done with this information, and, and not the least of which, of course, is um, the average citizen who has an interest in reading an academic paper, perhaps on a medical subject that they don't know about. You know, whether it's something like um, you know, the ketogenic diet for um, epilepsy and um, how to help to, to cure that and, and making, making people more uh, aware of something like that. Um, that's, that's hugely important. No, I agree. And, 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 that was one of the important things that he did was in trying to expand access and you know say you are someone who's afflicted by some you know unique ailment and getting access to that information is helpful i mean granted jstor does allow a certain limited amount of free access to its work but i mean the point here though is that we have a very heavy-handed tactics being applied over knowledge um copyright and 
you have um, what, what we've seen is that all the sites being taken down sometimes unjustifiably so. Um, and is this what the government should be doing? Or is is and particularly since you know, we've expanded the right of copyright so long, you know, from the original 14 years to now the life and beyond, that it's become an, an oppressive tool and not a means of expanding knowledge and creativity. No, it's true. And, you know, it is, it is a question of proportionality. And it is um, a question of our laws being reexamined on a fairly regular basis. And look, you know, uh, the current um, uh, administration, the Obama administration, hasn't necessarily been as um, uh, advanced as many would like in terms of technology and and free information and uh, has focused quite a bit on um, uh, attempting to protect uh, the homeland uh, against threats of terrorism. And, and so they look a lot at what's going on in um, uh, cyberspace and the Internet, I think, with that in mind. And so uh, there has to be some amount of, of balance when when we're looking at these kinds of, um, of, of crimes, if they are crimes, um, and reforming the law, reforming the law more quickly than we do, which, of course, um, requires politicians in um, Washington and in state capitals to um, not be so quite so partisan um, and to act to act more quickly um, and to make changes to the law when it's it's important and necessary and as um, society develops and as technology develops. I, I agree entirely, and um, I don't know if we can count too come too far on the um, act less partisan, but it is important that we um, try to figure out what we're going to do here. And um, what will be interesting is the next time um, Bambi or whatever the, the, the oldest Walt Disney character comes up and starts bumping up against the copyright, whether we extend it even further um, for whatever Disney needs. Because that would be a good time to have that debate. Um, well, I think it's a know. good time to have the debate now. I agree, too. And, and, and yeah, uh, who knows what's going to happen with the, the next copyright extension reform uh, act that, that, that comes up. Because that's what we've been doing. We keep pushing it back and back, and rather than addressing what is our goal here. Because the original goal was for, you know, promote advancement of knowledge and science and the arts. And, um, you know, are we doing that? Um, but we also have to promote our station in, in a few minutes. But um, right. so I'm going Anything you want to anything you want to uh, tell us about what you're up to before we we have to break? Uh, no, I'm up. I'm off to my office to uh, uh, put my head down and, and uh, work hard for the rest of the day. Uh, and I appreciate the opportunity to to share some of my uh, my, my non expert viewpoints on this matter. And again, I'm, I'm uh, stricken by the the tragedy here, and I I certainly hope for uh, hope for change. And I. We're going to second that thought. Well, thank Matt. It's always a pleasure. Um, thank you again. Happy New Year. And we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll be speaking Thanks, of Bennett. change, we'll be talking about the uh, insider guide to the inaugural after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Building better takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. 
TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. Get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis. Text radio to 21691. That's radio to 21691 for Moby Mantis. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back, and... um on Monday, we'll have the 57th inaugural ceremony in the history of the United States. And um, it is a relatively rare event. Um, and, and we have a special guest, um, a, a good good friend of the show, uh, um, Patrick Ukada. Who, um, Patrick, how should I describe you? Well... Um, I'm an educator, um, an administrator, um, and um, I'm a Washingtonian. Patrick is a long-time Washingtonian. You moved to Washington in, what, 1985? Yes. So Patrick just missed the coldest inaugural in history, which was in 1984 um, under President Reagan, and um, where it got as low as minus seven. It was so cold they actually had to cancel the outdoor proceedings, and which brings us to why Patrick is on. And um, up on Monday will be the second um, swearing in and inaugural festivities for President Obama. And so we, we're going to give you a little um, preview of what it might be like. And, and for those of you who have the opportunity to go to Washington during this time period or even wonder what it might be like, we hope this might you know, be of interest to you. Um, we strongly encourage anyone who has the opportunity to go to go. Um, regardless of politics, it's, it's a fascinating time to see your nation's capital, and it's a moment in history. And if you think about you know some of the, the the great speeches or the great moments in history of our country, we have no fear but fear itself. Well, that was President Roosevelt in his first inaugural address. Ask not what you can do for your country. Again, President Kennedy at his first inaugural address. And so um, you know, these are events that define our history. And and I think to be able to bring your family and to say that you were there is, is definitely a remarkable thing. So let's start. Um, what's going to what's what's happening now? This is um, Wednesday, and we're having um, the inaugural on Monday. And I think this was kind of a similar setup for um, when Clinton was on second inaugural, Patrick. And I think you know, things start picking up in Washington right about now, don't they? Yes, I start picking up. I, uh, the inaugural committee, of course, uh, organizes a lot of activities to bring up to speed a lot of the volunteers uh, that will be um, helping out in all of uh, the various uh, events. And, um, and in effect, they put on all the finishing touches for the inaugural uh, um, festivities. And but also what's going on is there's a whole uh, while you have all the official events that are happening, uh, parallel to it is every organization that has any presence in Washington is also having a function, and so um, and some of those are some of the more entertaining functions that, uh, that you may you may get to go to. Um, so, for example, there will be a series of parties between now and Sunday night um, for those various groups. And I recall going to the Texas Society 
Ivy Ball in 1997, and that was a, a bipartisan group of Texans with tuxes and cowboy boots and gowns, and it was just it was a, a real nice. Um, spread and those all sorts of Texas society there naturally being from Rhode Island I fit right in um and and Patrick, you may recall we went to um, during the Clinton years. They, one of the early parties was an informal party organized by the Arkansas Society, or I believe they call themselves the Travelers, um, the Blue Jeans Bash. Do you remember that, Patrick? Yes, I do. I do remember that very very well. In fact, we saw. Um Clinton's mother there, and the Regent Cajun, um, while we were there, too. So, oh, that was, actually, that was a different party, Patrick. Oh, um, it was. was. I'm mixing them up now. Yes. Okay, yes, 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 yes. Well, we saw Roger Clinton that, and... Yes. Uh, but yeah, it was just a barbecue and rock and roll and a good time at the Mayflower. But yeah, Patrick, we... Um, we uh, I remember we rushed back from a ski trip and um, to see... Um, they had a, a party honoring James Carville, um, the yes. raging agent, and yes. and um, it was held. Uh, um, I remember right by where Duke Zebert's used to be, wherever that is. And um, now, and it's was, now Martin's. It's Martin's, and uh, because of the Carville being from Louisiana, and uh, well, there was a Mardi Gras theme and so lots of beads. It was a really good party. But I always remember at the end of the night um, talking to uh, Virginia Kelly, Clinton's mom, who actually spells the last name the same as mine and you know, introducing myself saying we had a shared name. And, and she was just flat out exhausted. I mean, she was a balloon that had the air squeezed out of her. And there was no life in her at that moment. But then all I said was, you must be so proud. And her fight, her face just lit up, and um, you know it was the brightest light in the room. And you know, all of a sudden, she was she was renewed. And the, I guess it's hard to imagine how proud a must, mother must feel when their son's being inaugurated. And so, it definitely, it's just a moment I will always remember. Remember, you know, having seen her, and plus she passed not that long after. But so you have this whole period now, and and actually, and this is actually for outsiders who are trying, who, who probably don't have a prayer gaining on an inaugural day. If you're cagey, if you, you know, talk to people, and there, there are people who have tickets in their pockets to all sorts of things, and you might get bump into someone and, and get to go to one of these events. I'm not saying you're going to see James Carville, but you know, that that that's definitely a fun one fun one you can get to now um i also have a word of advice uh, for those that um, are coming in from um other states uh to washington uh you know your congress me- congressmen and senators have lots of tickets uh to different things if not the inaugural uh, the inaugural uh ceremony which of course uh, those tickets they guard very very dearly, but they also are invited to a, a host of uh, events that um, either they or their staff has have no time to go to. So um, it's it's always a, a good bet that if you check in with a congressman or senator, you may actually be able to score uh, last minute tickets to some um, very very wonderful event. And actually, here is, is counterintuitive. Here is a good thing if your congressman is a Republican, because you know they're not as enthusiastic about these festivities as those on the Democratic side, and, and you know they're more, much more inclined to just give those tickets away. So, um, to the extent that you know someone on that side. Um, that's a good good way to actually make it so that you even at a late hour may still have a shot of being somewhere on inauguration day. That's fun to watch, and um, so I think um, it's it, the other fun thing about think just being in Washington during this period, you know, in, including the inaugural itself, is the the number of people that pour into the city, and I mean pour. I mean there were over a million people that came in um, for the Obama 
on inaugural. And it's just the one, you know, the, the, the people watching is amazing, um, both in terms of, um, you know, politicos, but also, you know, celebrities. I mean, you see Beyonce, you see all these people. And D.C. is a compact city. You know, you're going you're gonna to see these people or at least see their limo and see them getting out of the limo. And if you hang out at some of the nicer hotels, you, you'll be seeing a lot of these people in the lobby. It's, just, it's kind of a fun, fun time to be there. Um, cold. I, th- I think it's also a time when you really remember what makes America great. Um, I mean, you are watching democracy in action, yes, but you're also watching a tradition which has spanned uh, hundreds of years. And, um, and Washington, D.C. knows how to throw the party for the inauguration because they've been doing it for a long time. So uh, for those that have not really had an opportunity to see it, and even those that have seen it once or twice, um, it still is a fun event to, to go and witness. Uh, even if you don't get into any of the shows or, or events, you have the parade. Uh, and um, all you just need to do is uh, get a good spot on Pennsylvania Avenue between the uh, Capitol building and the White House, and you are guaranteed to see um, a lot of the uh, of those uh, leaving the ceremony on Capitol Hill and going towards the White House, including the president. Now let's let's jump to that. And actually, before we do, I, I just got a note from a listener um, who attended last time, but will not be able to attend this year. Um, but um, Sima Kalia, um, and uh, thank you for your note. But she did make a good point, and I don't know if the, if the president will get a chance to address this, but um, she does think that she should automatically get tickets because Monday is her birthday. Uh, I don't know if that angle, how, how well that's been played, but in any event, um, Sima, good luck with that. Um, I'm sure you'll be watching on TV with me and, and, and everyone else. But in any event, Patrick, so you were very good at getting um, people, getting um, yourself positioned for the, the parade. How'd you do that? Where were you last time? Well, I mean, the the thing is to um, read a little bit about um, the parade itself and and what happens. Um, it has become a tradition now that once the president gets. Uh, to the corner of Pennsylvania and 15th Street, he normally gets out of his limo and walks uh, the rest of the way with the First Lady. Right. So all you just just need to do is position yourself um, somewhere around the 15th and Pennsylvania and the White House. that last uh, part of the route, and you are guaranteed to see if, if past um, inaugurals or anything to go by. You are guaranteed to see to see the president and first lady returning from from the uh, Capitol Hill. And you know, it's, it's a harder thing to achieve, but some of those restaurants in that spot, you know, Old Epic Grill being one of them, um, actually do have parties going on. And I've, I've been fortunate. You know, I actually was, I've watched it twice from the Old Epic, which is nice because you're warm. <laughs> Operative word, warm. And uh, and you do get to see them because that's often right where they get out. And yeah. uh, so what other tips, Patrick, do you have for uh, a inaugural newbie? Well, I I think... Even if you are not able to get tickets to the inaugural, the official inaugural balls, there are so many unofficial balls that will still give you the same experience because people will be well dressed up for those balls. And uh, once in a while, um, Congress people, even uh, um, cabinet officials do stop into those balls even though they are unofficial. So um, it still gives you the experience of having attended an inaugural ball. Now, Patrick, you've attended both. Um, I, yes, both official and unofficial, yes. And, uh, and that's and, I'm speaking from experience. They, they, um, once you are inside, the atmosphere is almost the same. The only difference is that the president and the vice president wouldn't go to the unofficial ones. They will only attend official balls. It's 
still is a celebratory atmosphere. You're right, and uh, I do recall that. And um, we went to what? We went to the Jersey Ball one year. That was <laughs> that was colorful. And um, but overall, we went to the DC Ball, which was not official ball, and we still had a wonderful time. Now, um, now tell you, were you dancing next to Madeleine Albright at the uh, the Clinton second ball? Yes, that was the Clinton second ball. Um, I was dancing, actually at some point, dancing with Madeleine Albright. And uh, <laughs> I'm having a good time. And this was when she was uh, the ambassador to the United Nations before then becoming Secretary of State. I, I do recall dancing and um I remember one of the performers was Meatloaf, and he actually sang two out of three ain't bad, and here I am in the tux looking over. I remember looking at Madeleine Albright and thinking, this is something very bizarre. I am dancing to uh, this high school song I grew up with and uh, singing sung live by Meatloaf. It was just a, a strange visual image that still, um, I don't know if it disturbs me or stays with me. But then, um, if you're really lucky, after the balls comes the after ball. And if you can pull that off, that is a fun ticket to get. Um, because um, all the balls end at midnight, but this one goes from midnight to two uh, or three o'clock Oh, it looks like we lost Patrick. Oh, it's disappointing. Um, but um, in any event, if you can make the after ball, it's a lot of fun. And it's the hardest ticket of all to get um, next to actually getting seats at the inaugural ceremony itself. But so if you're so if you're sitting at home or listening and haven't decided whether you want to go to Washington, it's a great time to be there. It's going to be cold as hell. I'll, I'll give you that. And that's just not me as a Californian. It's cold. I mean, it, and the temperature prediction is cold. But um, D.C. is very tourist-friendly. There's many ways to get there. You can drive. There's tons of airports that are within you know, a two-hour drive of the city. And it's history. I mean, if you want your child or you, you want to see history up front and personal and, and then see a whole cross-century of your country coming together for one huge shindig, this is it. It's a fun time. Um, and you can even get better benefit of it. Go um, go to Georgetown and watch. Go to the sports bars and watch the the NFL because um, there'll be a lot of controversy over the Patriots and the Ravens. And I'm sure the Ravens fans in that area will be disappointed after the Patriots win. And so it's a great time um, if you can make it, do it. Um, but certainly be sure to watch history as it unfolds on Monday on TV if you can't. But um, any event, I'm not going to thank Patrick for being able to join us. I know he was calling us from overseas um, on his business travel, so I'm sorry he wasn't able to finish with us. But any event, it's it's history, and DC does it right. And if you ever get a chance, whether it's this inaugural or a future inaugural when Brasco becomes president, you know you definitely want to be there. So. Um, that's all we have on the inaugural. I hope this was an insightful and a little um, visit to, in, a, in very short terms, of the inaugural process. And um, I hope you'll um, consider going at some point. And um, I enjoyed I, – I still have fond memories of my experiences during inaugurals. And even, the, even through the cold, it's still worth it. So, And that's traveling from California to Washington, and I would do it in a heartbeat if I wasn't so busy. So – I hope you'll consider it as well. This is Cyber Law and Business Report from Santa Monica, California, in the warm heart of Silicon Beach. This is Ben and Kelly. Goodbye, and we'll talk to you next week. Court's adjourned. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.